0: I do wanted to, to mention uh, Israel a little bit. I've been talking to a uh, guide in Israel. He was our guide back in 08 uh, when we went to Israel about him doing some videos for us. Because right now, there are no tourists in Israel. And he's been walking around because uh, he has a lot of friends on Facebook and he's taking videos of different sites and stuff. And I said, well, how cool would it be for him to do it just for, for our group? And I'm just going to throw him a little, little bit of money to help him out. And then he's going to do some videos. Um, we'll, we'll see how many he does per month and so forth. The first one, he's going to do an intro about him and his family and how COVID's affecting Israel and how it's affecting uh, the tourist business and his job and all that kind of stuff. And then he's going to start going around. He'll just I said, whatever tickles your fancy, it can be biblical site. It could be just an interesting site in Israel that has nothing to do with the Bible, a little bit of both. So we can kind of get a flavor for Israel. But at the same time, he'll do a lot of biblical sites because that's what he does. But he'll go to the Valley of Elah where David and Goliath fought. And he'll show the two hills and all that kind of stuff. He'll go to the garden tomb. He'll go to these different places and shoot a five to seven minute video. And hopefully it'll work out. So we're just going to kind of see where it goes and and all that. And speaking of Israel, I did uh finally I've had these setting here and I haven't um brought them out yet. Here's a rock that has salt on it from the uh Dead Sea. We were talking about the first sheep, yeah. <laughs> Which one of you is out of control? <laughs> but uh, this has uh um oh and some of it's coming off. So, you know what? I'd prefer you come look at it cuz it, the more we handle it, the more the salt comes off. But if you want to look at it, it's kind of cool. I, uh, when we were swim, uh, floating, not really swimming, uh, in the Dead Sea, I felt around and grabbed a rock off the bottom and, and brought it home. So that's that. And then I stuck a bottle, and you can see it's clear, but if you shake it, it gets all, well, it still stays pretty clear. But this is all salt. This is all salt crystals from the Dead Sea. From the bottom, I scraped it, Um, and if you were to open it, which I don't suggest because it's been bottled up since '08, so I have no clue how it smells, but it's slick, okay, from all the oils and all the salt and all that kind of stuff. It's very slick on on the inside, so that's kind of cool. You guys can pass that around here. (laughs) (laughs) I know you guys have seen this. It's been a while, but that's... uh, um, from the dead sea you know uh, yeah that doesn't fit in that pocket it came right out yes they um basically they search through everything they will know the color of your underwear when you leave israel okay they will because they search through everything They take your bag, they set it down, they unzip it, and they open it, and they start doing this. And that's everybody's bag. So if you ever want to fly on a safe airlines, fly Israel Airlines. Uh, What is it? El Al. The last time there was an attempted hijacking on El Al, um, it was back in the 70s. Uh, They had a... uh, marshal for lack of a better term on there secret service type guy and a guy stands up um, uh, well i won't say it. well okay it was a muslim but he stood up and goes this is a hijacking you know in whatever accent and the Israeli goes Pow! that was it shot him the guy was dead that was the last attempted hijacking on the israeli allies. that happened after uh, 1972 and when they went into entebbe and all that shortly thereafter they started putting marshals on and and it's the safest airline. We, we flew out of uh, L.A. and they literally, you're sitting there waiting to board, you're all in. And they say, okay, everybody get up, walk out that way, get off the carpet. And then any bag that's left, they go into lockdown and search the bag and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's even before you get on the airline. That's after you've gone through all the stuff to get into the airport. So, I mean, they, they take it serious, okay? Okay. Um, Lastly, I want to show you, uh, this is just a representation of the type of uh, um, jars that would be about this tall, you know, about three foot tall, two and a half feet tall, um, that the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in. Okay, so in the caves uh, down at Qumran, um, they would have been, and this is just a little souvenir that kind of show you what they, and they had these lids that were sealed on with wax and stuff like that. For a lot of them, and then some of them, of course, were broken open and all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk some time about uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. So if you want to look at that, you can. Uh, just some mementos that I brought back I thought I'd show you guys. So I think that's it uh, for that. So last week, or three weeks, or whatever it was ago, we're in Genesis. Anybody have any questions about the Genesis questions? Going once. Because there was a lot of questions last time, and I guess not this time okay so our goal is what i'll do is i'll teach on whatever book then you guys go through that during the next week read the whole book if you have time i'm not going to be checking with you you don't have to sign a little note saying you read and turn it in or anything like that because we have cameras all over your house we'll know i mean just joking um yeah the report the report cards and all that but um yeah and try to answer some of the questions some of the questions are good some of the questions are out of left field and you're like going huh we can discuss those the next week so i'll I'll begin each week like next week i'll begin going okay what questions did you have about genesis that we didn't answer in the teaching the week before or that came out of um the the questions are in in the book okay don't stress out over them at all okay if you don't understand what they're asking skip it like i said we're not grading here. Our goal is to kind of get an overview, and understanding of the Word of God and the Bible. So that's our goal. So I got that, got that. I'm just looking at my notes to make sure I do it all. So tonight, we're in the overview of Exodus. Exodus is a continuation of the book of Genesis. Um, and Moses kind of continues the, the story. It's almost like part two or book two of God's people, uh, Moses is out in Sinai. He's just finished the book of Genesis. Uh, you know, he pulls together all the history, all the stories uh, that have been passed down from generation to generation, and then he uh, writes uh, this book also. And let me switch to. There we go. To here, so I'm gonna go to the second slide. So you will notice that we have Genesis. And then Exodus, Numbers, and then Joshua, 1 through 4. And then on top, you kind of have Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Those fit in when the others happen, okay, chronologically. So what you have is Leviticus happens during Exodus and before Joshua, and so does Deuteronomy. So you' will find as I talk about today, um, I'll talk about some uh, different parts of Exodus, and I'm going to throw numbers in there a little bit. And I'm going to throw, um, uh, I think uh, Deuteronomy or Leviticus a little bit in there in that timeline of Gen- I mean of Exodus, because they are written during that same time. okay? Uh, and um, some of the stories are from that same time. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him how creation happened as he started out with Genesis. He kind of got the Cliff Note version, and he wrote it all down. So Genesis begins with creation, and then you had the first family. You had the fall of man. Then you get to the Tower of Babel. I'm kind of doing a a quick review here. Then you get to Noah and his family and the the wonderful children's story that that one is. Um, And then, you know, God kind of pushed the reset button on history. Uh, So with Noah and his family, we get the flood, and you can imagine the 40 days of rain and 40 nights of rain. You know, coming back from Canada, we were on a pretty small lake, but it was kind of interesting. We had some good wind, didn't we, Brandon? Yeah, we had some good wind out in the boats. I mean, white caps on the lake, okay? I mean, when I say white caps, I'm not talking about six-foot waves, but I'm talking about little white caps and stuff. You know, I've been in bigger ones up there, too. Um, but you can imagine the fountains of the deep opening up onto the world and we see all sorts of turmoil. I mean, people go, well, how could the Grand Canyon? I mean, it took millions of years. No. Have you seen what water can do when it flows? That could be created in about 45 minutes if God wanted it to be created in 45 minutes with the amount of water. The salt lakes, that used to be part of an ocean. Where did that water go? I wonder if that water came down and went through the Grand Canyon and out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's all sorts of different ways um, that that could have happened. But uh, but what I'm saying is the waters of the deep opened up. It changed everything. And then you might remember God talking to a man named Abram, and he made a promise to him, the Abrahamic covenant. You follow me, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to multiply you, and, and I'm going to give you a great inheritance. And His inheritance wasn't money. He was already rich by that time. His inheritance was the children and being God's people, uh, making a nation. So God made the same promise to Abraham's son. He makes it to Isaac. He makes it to Jacob. Jacob is a very interesting guy. (laughs) uh, You get the feeling, uh, you know, Jacob did not like himself a whole lot. You get the feeling that other people didn't like Jacob that much. Uh, He ran away from his brother Esau and the family after he stole the the blessing. And he worked for his uncle for 21 years. And the night before he gets back together with his brother Esau, Jacob goes down to a brook and reconnects with God, wrestles with God, and God renames him Israel. And the children of Israel, all the children, are named after Jacob, which is now Israel. (coughs) And they're represented by the 12 sons which gives you the 12 tribes. And the second youngest one was named Joseph. So we're in Genesis 40, 42, right now. Joseph and his brothers didn't get along. They were jealous, especially when dad gives them a coat and you know, just does all the stuff for them. Lisa, you want to turn that down for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so they decide to uh, um, basically beat him up and throw him down a hole, throw him in a well. And they did that. And then they sold him off to slavery in Egypt, which brings us to our story. Joseph is now in Egypt. He's working for a man named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife takes a little liking to Joseph. Joseph rebuffs her. Potiphar throws him in the jail. And then the king, and I'm, again, I'm simplifying everything here, overview. The king has this ma- major dream. No one can interpret it. And somebody goes, hey. I know a man that can do that. So Joseph ends up being number two in the kingdom after he interprets it, uh, the dream and uh, the Pharaoh puts him in charge of recovering of Egypt and storing up all this grain and because a famine is coming to the land. And when the famine comes to the land, you have him reconnecting with his brothers. They didn't know who he was, but they come, they connect, he recognizes them, he reconnects with them um, and uh, and forgives them. And then they all, 70 of them of the family, move to Egypt. 400 years go by. Joseph is dead. And this family has expanded into this huge area in Goshen. And I think it's 600,000, uh, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. You know what? Let me go back to my notes because I'll get ahead of myself if I don't. But but you have Exodus now, basically, you have all these people after 400 years, and they're called the Finchus. This is what they were called, the Finchus. They're basically shepherds. They were looked down upon. You would say the word Finchus and you would spit. Okay? You would just, you know, they're just like nobodies because the Pharaoh and the kingdom has forgotten about Joseph and what he did to help everyone. So, with the Exodus, you have this mass movement of people out of Egypt and into the promised land and it was not uh it was not a pretty thing it was not an easy thing um you have uh you have so many miracles that happen in this book i mean really other than the 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 raising of christ and some of the miracles that christ did beyond that these are the greatest miracles in the bible uh, with the plagues and everything else i mean you have uh uh, you know, people are like, well, God couldn't, you know, the, how could that ever happen? Well, if God made man, God is not bound by physics. God is not bound biology. God can do whatever he, want, uh, whatever he wants. He doesn't have to deal with the laws of physics and so forth. So he can call up frogs. He can bring in flies. He can uh, turn the water into blood. He can do whatever he wants. So we need to get past the whole thing. We have to prove that God can do these things. Now, well no i won't go into that i'll just leave that so we have to get beyond that he can cause the firstborn to die the sea to turn uh, you know the sea to be parted he can do all those things so movies have shown this little band of you know this little family just kind of moving on from egypt and being chased and all that kind of stuff no 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 get that out of your mind this was six hundred thousand fighting men When I say fighting men, they weren't ready to fight, but I'm just saying they were the age of fight. And fighting men means married men of a certain age, okay? So that leaves all the children. And if you know anything about ancient times, how many children would you have? Lots of children, okay? It wasn't a two-person or two-children families. We're talking about ten children, eight children, big families, okay? So then you have 600,000 wives to go along with that. So just the men and the wives, that's 1.2 million of that certain age. Then you add on the chil- uh, children. Then you add on all the older folk that aren't fighting age. I mean, I know Bob wants to be out there fighting, but, you know. <laughs> and Ken and, yeah, you know. But there comes a point where you say, okay, you know, maybe a little, you know, you've slowed down a little bit. I mean, even I've slowed down, so I understand this bit, you know. But the whole idea is you have somewhere between 2 million and 6 million people moving at once. We're talking about when they had to stop, we're talking about 10 miles long and very wide of going, okay, what valley are we going to stop in that's going to fit everybody in that we can kind of protect by the mountains and then put a guard on that end and put a guard on this end? So we're not talking about this little band of tribe of just going out and just, oh, let me plop down and, and, and we're all good. Everybody good? You good? You good? You got to place sleep? Okay, no, we're talking, you know, hundreds and thousands and up to six million people. Um, this would be like the city of Dallas just deciding to move one day. All the people in Dallas, let's just get up and we're going to go move to, to Oklahoma or Kansas or something like that. I mean, why would they ever want to do that? I have no idea. But I mean, because it is, you know, you have the real promised land and then you have the Texas promised land. So I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, you know, this is huge Um, to stop for a night, uh, that big clearing to cross the Red Sea. If you had 100 people wide. okay, and I'm sure God made it wider than that. But if you had 100 people wide, you would have a 10 mile backlog in the desert to get across the Red Sea. Kind of gives you an idea of how many people there. So when they were leaving Egypt, they weren't just leaving Egypt. They said, Here, take all our gold, take our silver. Please leave. Our children are dying. What is your God going to do again? Just go. So they left. And then Pharaoh the next day said, Wait, whoa, whoa, what did I do? And then he chased after him. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So this is one of, uh, this is one of if not the greatest um, historical events during ancient times uh, in the ancient world. So basically, Exodus reflects how God rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and led them out to the desert in Sinai. In the desert on Mount Sinai, God handed down to Moses the laws to govern this new nation. And this is where we get to the kind of the, uh, where's my clicker? Here we go. This is where we get down to the four main parts of the Exodus story, okay? The first one is oppression and deliverance, and that's kind of 1 through 18 somewhere right in there, and there's a lot more that goes in there, of course. But then you have the law of the co- the law or the covenant, okay? That's how God wants you to be how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to make decisions. If you're godly people and you're supposed to follow me, these are your rules. And every household has rules, right? Did you grow up with rules? Anybody grow up with no rules? Anybody never get in trouble? Okay, so we all have household rules. God was basically doing the same thing. And then you have Kadesh Barnea, um, and this is at the tail end of... uh, of Exodus um, also but the real story is told in numbers 10 through 14 and then you have the 40 through uh, the 40 years of wandering and again that's numbers 20 through 36 so when I taught through the book of Exodus I would go to numbers a lot during this time we also went to uh, Leviticus a little bit and Deuteronomy when we taught through it but the first part is oppression and deliverance the Hebrews were in Egypt for 400 years, started out great, ended not so good, um, and they were crying out for deliverance. They were literally crying out to this God of theirs saying, deliver me. And God grazed up an unusual deliverer. And God, in his ultimate wisdom, which means nothing like how we would do it, took 80 years to get him ready to do this. He was 40 years old when he started out. God had trained him up, and 40 years old, and then he tried to go, this isn't right. Uh, We're talking about Moses, and Moses kills a man, um, kills a guard, and then he freaks out, and he takes off for the desert. Then God called him again and said, I need you to deliver my people, and that was after another 40 years. So you have 80 years that God took to get his people there. I mean, think about it. Moses tries, he fails. He goes into 40 years of more training, and then he succeeds. And then they get into the desert, and then they end up spending another 40 years. So 120 years to get to the promised land after they cried out to God. So when we think of our timetable, and we think of God's timetable, sometimes they're different, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Now, in our individual cases, it may be four years or eight years or 12 years, maybe four months, eight months. You know, you know, you get what I'm saying. It may take time. God is on a different timetable than we are. So I just want to throw that in there. (coughs) Now, we don't know the exact route that they took. Okay, so the land of we say it's up here, but really it's down where the D and the U are is the land of Goshen, okay? And they come across. So again, you can see there's water here. Ancient times, it might've been a little different, but they could have crossed here. They could have crossed down here. They could have come over here and crossed here. We don't know the exact route. Um, So we're we're taking a guessing game on landmarks because God, again, didn't say this is exactly how they did it. And this is where you can find the evidence for it and so forth um and again then they go up see most of us think that oh they went to uh you know they went out and sent the spies out and the spies were up here of course next to jericho right no But okay, well that's where they ended up going across at the end of the 40 years but they sent the spies out here at K- uh, kadesh barnea okay and uh and i i have another map for that in a little bit So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he goes, um, no. Plugs start out, start out bad, and they progress to get worse. Pharaoh finally relents, lets them go. Egypt pays them to leave, like I, I talked about, the gold, the silver, the other valuable things, and then promptly changes his mind. They get out to the Red Sea. God parts the water. They go across. The army tries to go across, and they're crushed by the water, Okay. Um, So then they're headed toward the promised land, the land of what we call the milk and honey. It's where you can uh, grow crops. It's just an amazing uh, country. In fact, um, Israel cultivated the land. They grew on the land. They turned it into something. After Israel were dispersed by the Romans, uh, what we call the dispersia, the land really went into waste, It became a desert land. And it wasn't until 1948 when Israel went back in that they turned it again into farmland, the land of milk and honey, okay? There's ways to do that. Um, but it was a wasteland for all those years while Israel was gone. Now, were cer- or certain groups of people living there during that time? Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't do much with the land. They didn't cultivate it. They didn't do a lot of that stuff. But uh, uh, so, so they're headed out where Abraham first settled. And then we get to the second part where the law is given. And this is Exodus 19 through 40. After the Red Sea, they camp near Mount Sinai. And we have all that goes on there. Moses receives the Ten Commandments by the hand of God, writing on the stone. How cool would that been to see? You know what I'm saying? He comes down. He freaks out, throws the stones and breaks them. Then he has to go back and get more. You know, I think he did that just so he could see God's handwriting again. I'm just saying, you know. But basically, uh, God writes, uh, if you follow my ways, I will bless you. If you don't follow my ways, you will be cursed or you will be um, punished. Does this sound like a parent? <laughs> you follow my ways, you're going to be blessed. If you don't follow my ways, you will be punished. Okay, um, So it it's, sounds simple hard to do sometimes okay so moses brings it down the mountain and what does he find they're worshiping a golden calf he deals with all that mess and god wants to destroy them but moses goes uh, to god and basically begs and 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 prevents god from going down and killing those he said he was going to love he says don't do this and god relents from that now, one of the main importance or one of the main important points of this first section is what we call this covenant ceremony that God makes. And uh, God makes a covenant with this people. Now, the first covenant or one of the first covenants he did was with Abraham. And remember, it was the cutting covenant. If we've, you know, we've gone through Genesis, for those that remember, where uh, you, make a, uh, you make a contract, Tyler and I making a contract with each other. And we, we write everything down. And then we take animals and we cut them in half and put one over, uh, half of it here and half of it here and we walk through those animals. And we basically say, if I break my part of the covenant, may you be just like this animal and get cut in half. Okay, so it was, I mean, the, pretty powerful covenant. This isn't just a, an agreement handshake. This is a powerful covenant. Well, God makes this covenant with Abraham by doing that, but he doesn't have it. Abraham walk through it. Why is that? Anyone? That's right. He knows he can't keep it. And he's going to do the same thing with the law. He's trying to prove a point to them. He's basically saying to them, I'm going to give you all these laws and you're not going to be able to keep up with them. You're going to make laws upon laws upon laws from these 614 uh, laws and you're going to, the Jewish uh, custom, ha- you have the Midrash and some other writings that are external to the biblical writings, where they've made laws upon laws upon laws. Um, in Israel, you go there today, uh, every high-rise building has two elevators. You have one that stops in the even floors and the other one that stops on the odd floors. Okay, why is that? Well, you go in and you push a button, that's considered work. And God said, don't work on the Sabbath. So on the Sabbath, you have one that goes every other floor. So people don't have to push a button because that's considered work. Now, is that in the word of God? No, not to that extent. Okay. God said, rest. God said, have fun. Don't do the same thing you do every day. Your body needs that rest. He didn't say, oh, let me, oh, I'm sorry. You blew it. You pushed a button. That was man's idea of interpretation, and it was a wrong interpretation. They have guidelines because you belong to a, a little synagogue. Um, I think it's called a synagogue. Yeah. You, every 10 families would make up their synagogue, okay? And you would have and was so many blocks from where you lived, and you would have these guidelines that you could walk anywhere in between those and it's not considered work. but as soon as you step across that line, because they're all up on telephone poles, It was considered work. So now I own this. I can go to that line. I can put this down. Now I can go to the next line because I'm not that far from my property. So they would make up all these extra rules. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Um, I could go on and on and on about all the kind of stuff that they would do. Um, But God was basically saying, you're not going to be able to keep this law. You were going to need somebody to save you. But through this, he was basically saying actions have consequences. You act up, this is going to be the results. It's written down for you to see this. And then after that, you have the instructions for worship. You have the ark, the table, the lampstand, the tabernacle, the altar, the, the courtyard, the oil, the priestly garments and how to put those on (laughs) i mean they get really detailed into some of the stuff you have the altar of incense you have the offering um uh thing you know you you have the lavar or whatever you know the water and how you would wash yourself the priest would as he went into the temple area and um you would have only certain amount of guys who could go into the temple area And they could do certain things, but only the high priest could go behind the Holy of Holies once a year. And he would wear little uh, bells on the bottom of his garment because apparently somebody went in there and they had sin in their heart. And what did he do? God struck him dead. So they would tie a rope around the high priest's leg and they would have little bells. And they could hear him moving around back there. And if he stopped moving around, stopped hearing the bells, they would tug on the rope something happened okay i mean god was very particular on how you cleanse yourself before you came to him god cannot be around unholiness god can only be around holiness that's what's so awesome about what christ did for us because christ made us holy we look in the mirror and we see bad we look in the mirror and we see awful we see people that mess up but god sees us totally different once we become uh christians he sees us through the blood of christ and that means he sees Alan slim and perfected, you know, perfected, you know. <laughs> he sees Alan as perfect, as non-sinful. And that's what he sees you as, okay? And that um, uh, that's the greatest thing about the New Testament versus the Old Testament. In other words, God's deliverance for us. So you have that. That's the second part. The third part <coughs> is Kadesh Barnea. Now, Kadesh Barnea is did I oh i skipped this didn't i yeah okay they revere the law they still revere the law the torah the first five books of the bible they're revered they're written out on these scrolls that get unrolled and rolled up in fact they house them in special cabinets and only certain people can go into those cabinets this would be like like our constitution can anybody just walk in and play with our Constitution? And get it out. Well, only if you're on the uh, what's that movie? Yeah, it went right. Nicholas Cage. Only if you're Nicholas Cage. Okay, thank you, thank you. I it didn't work because I didn't have it on my in in my memory. But only certain people could go in there, and they would house these things. Um, here's a blow up picture of the guy going in there. It's this is pure silver, and that holds the scroll. And they'll roll the scroll out and read the Word of God. This is a very important thing. And sorry, ladies, you're not allowed to, according to Jewish culture, not Alan. Jewish culture, okay? Um, They weren't allowed to learn and so forth. But they still revere that. This is at the western wall where they would go and literally they would pray. Soldier carrying an M4 uh, along with priest at the wall praying. In fact, there's soldiers in Israel carry their weapons on duty, off duty. You'll see them with their weapons slung over their shoulder. Go, we, we were out at Masada, I think it was, wasn't it? And there was off-duty soldiers taking a, uh, you know, taking a day off, touring Masada, and they had their weapons on them. You know, they're they ready to call up at a moment's notice. So, um, but they're uh, praying at the Western Wall. And this is where I wanted to get to Kadesh Barnea. This is where they stopped. This valley is about ten miles long. Imagine all these people filling up this valley, and this valley keeps going back this way. Okay, this picture is not ten miles there, but I'm just saying. Imagine all that filled up with people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they uh, they stopped at Kadesh uh, or Kadesh Parnia, and this is where they sent the twelve spies into the land. One one spy to represent every tribe, and said, "You go, you guys go in." You check it out. We know the Canaanites are in there. We know these ungodly people are in there. But what does the land uh, look like? (coughs) So, again, Kadesh Barnea, they go up to Beersheba and up to Hebron. Jerusalem is right up here uh, at the very top there. Uh, But you can't see it. But that's the direction that the spies would have gone in the land. And then when the spies return, they're like, great news and terrible news. Great news is, man, it is everything we've heard and even better. Terrible news. There's giants out there. There's no way we're going to do this. And only two people said, wait a second. If God says we can do this, we can do this. And it was Joshua and Caleb. And those were the only two that were allowed to enter the promised land. We'll talk about that in a second. But Kardesh Barney is, is known as a place of rebellion against God. That's what it's named, a place of rebellion against God. That's Kadesh Barnea. So the fourth part is because of that rebellion, you have 40 years of wandering in the desert. It's the consequences of their rebellion against God. They're condemned to die in the desert. In other words, that generation anybody that was 21 years and older had to pass away before god allowed them into the promised land Couldn't you imagine being like one of the last five dudes man could you just hurry up and die <laughs> yeah i mean we really would like to get to the promised land could you just get this on with you know i mean just yeah i mean wow uh, so basically, a new generation of leaders is being brought up in this, and Moses leads them to the north, around to, uh, to right above the Dead Sea, right there, Jericho's right across. Moses, you know, they wander around the, the desert. While they're wandering around, people have attacked them. They've defeated every time they've been attacked. Uh, the Assyrians attacked the end of the, you know, you have all these people. The Assyrians came in and attacked the back. Uh, who's in the back of the caravan? The old, the young, the ones that are tired, the slower ones, all that. They came in and they attacked them and stole their stuff and killed them and all that kind of stuff. God does repay them later. God does take care of that later. Um, But they're out there wandering around the desert and they end up at the end of the 40 years in what we would call modern day Jordan, right up there next to Jericho. And um, basically Moses goes in and tells Caleb and all them, and Joshua, you guys are fixing, you know, Joshua becomes a leader. You guys are fixing to go in the promised land. Make sure you do this covenant uh, You know, covenant with God. Make sure you follow the God's instructions. Make sure you do what you're supposed to do. And then he goes on and spends time with God and dies, and we have no idea where he went. Did God take him? Did God, well, I mean, actually, we know that God buried him somewhere, and we don't know where. They would have made a shrine to him if God hadn't have done that. And God wanted them not to be there. God wanted them in the promised land. Uh, And you know how people are. They always want to go back to what they know, you know. So God was saying, no, you need to go. So this book is all about deliverance and covenant with God. Uh, You know, and when I mean covenant with God, I'm talking about the laws, following the law. And this relates to us because we understand there's no way to keep the covenant we have too much going on, don't we? we got too much going on in our heads. It's hard to block out sin. It's hard to block out certain thoughts. That is why we need the Holy Spirit. We have too much humanness in us. And the only way to accomplish the things that God wants us to do is with the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit has to rise in us, and we have to take our humanness, you know, our humanity, and knock it down because we don't have the will to do it only God can do it through his spirit and, and this is where God comes in he made a blood covenant with Abraham we have literally been grafted into Abraham's family so welcome to the Jewish family did you realize you were all Jews yeah it's kind of a weird thought isn't it now you tell the world that they freak out okay okay um, but we are adopted into God's family. God calls us family the Hebrews, the Jews. So you are technically Jewish. And, you know, therefore, God is not going to break His side of the covenant. And we need to rely on that, and we need to understand that and to know that because the presence of God was important for the Israelites. It was important for them to see the cloud by day. It was important for them to see the, the, the fire by night. But the true presence of God was hidden in the temple, behind the curtain. But what happened when Jesus died? The curtain tore from top to bottom. Not bottom to top, from top to bottom. God's presence was released into the world. And when Jesus comes back, He leaves the Holy Spirit with us to live in in us. We become the temple. And again, that's a whole nother weird thought, but we become the temple. So we need to take care of that temple. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's over with when Christ died. And we have a spiritual one that's within us that can give us the will that we need to do God's bidding, to give us the desires that God has to accomplish his will and to glorify God in this world. It's literally God in us. God is with us all the time. You know, we think our parents see and know everything when we're young, right? But we realize that they don't see and know er- er- and know everything at a certain age, right? Well, we need to realize God is with us all the time. God sees and knows everything. So we can confess our sins. That just means I'm saying, God, I agree with you. I really screwed this up. I really messed this up. That's what confession is, agreeing with God. And it's a great thing that we can do that on a daily basis. We don't have to take an animal down to the temple that started in Exodus and go through the mikveh, we had to, you know, wash ourselves and do all these things and take the animal in there, make sure it's an animal that's per- perfect to be sacrificed by the priest on our behalf because our sacrifice is already done through Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is an amazing thing. So that is Exodus. Any questions or any thoughts? Yes. In a lot of the Genesis and Exodus, both referred to people being 130 years old, 140 years old. Mm -hmm. But then there was also that one little part where he was doing the Passover when he said you're going to start a new calendar and a new month and this sort of thing. So was the time, the 40 years, the 80 years, was it the same as our time? No, I think it was the same as our time um, when it it comes to counting in the Bible. I I think most scholars agree to that. Um, When people live longer, it wasn't because the calendar was shorter. It was because you're coming from perfection, DNA that's perfect, Adam and Eve. And over time through sin... And through life, that perfection gets degraded. So you have Methuselah that lives, what, 956 or 38 or whatever years. He's part of the old school, you know what I'm saying? But it came to a point where God said no one's going to live over 120 years. And he says that in, in the Word of God. But before that, you had all these people who are living long lives because you're coming from perfection where DNA is not so screwed up. So when somebody today, and this may sound weird, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to skip that. Never mind, because we have young ears around, so I don't want to introduce that topic. So I'll leave that alone. Um, but uh, yeah, you have people who lived a lot longer back then. So literally, Moses. We think, how could Moses know all this information? Well, you have five generations to Moses because of the number of years. So-and-so, and I have this written down somewhere. So-and-so lived so many years, and he was around so-and-so and passed the information on to him. So-and-so lived so many hundreds of years, he passed the information to him. So you just have five different people to come to Moses, which is a lot more feasible to understand. And, and then you had the writings and other stuff that Moses compiled. But it wasn't like Moses had to go through 300 people, and then it finally got written down. It could have been five because of the numbers of years that they lived so it's kind of interesting little fact any other questions why don't we end with prayer at least i know i know god's going to strike me dead right <laughs> oh i broke the law <laughs> i know that's written down in, in tyler's midrash somewhere oh let's pray uh lord we thank you we thank you so much for the history that's here in the bible Uh, For us to understand that we don't need to know all the little nuances of of the miracles. We just need to to understand that you did these miracles. uh, That you delivered your people. and, And you deliver us. That we understand that their history is the same as our history. And that we all need a Savior. We all need somebody to come in and say, you've really messed this up. Let me straighten it out for you. And that's the struggle, Lord for us to you know, release the reins, to, to, to stop holding on to the steering wheel and allow you to drive the car, to drive our lives. And I pray that uh, each and every day that we, can, that we can mature a little bit more and become more like you along this journey. Uh, I pray for everyone here, Lord, and, and those that are online and those that may watch this, Lord, that, uh, that you would be there for them and with them through every situation that they may go through that their lives may glorify you in the end. Uh, Because ultimately that's what we want to do is glorify you because you deserve all the glory, Lord. In your loving name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So go through Exodus. Any questions, bring them, write them down, uh, and we'll answer those next week. Um, I don't mind uh, questions out of left field. Uh, If I don't know the answer, I will tell you I don't know the answer. Uh, If I can look it up, I will look it up. But I'm not going to try to make something up uh, that just gets people in trouble. Uh, so uh, go through that, and then we will, uh, uh, we will hit Leviticus uh, next week teaching-wise, which ought to be interesting because I've never taught through Leviticus.